Hi, I'm Pastor Torin Brooks, and welcome to Faith Christian Church. So glad you decided to join us today. For the next 30 minutes, we're going to be looking through God's Word and finding ways for it to apply to our lives today. Hope you enjoy this morning's sermon. If you have your Bibles, Philippians chapter 4, verse number 4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And let me just say, stop there for just a moment and pause and just say, we, don't, we used to sing a song here in Pentecostal churches that said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Uh, and, and that was just the whole song. I mean, we just, it, it had a little catchy tune to it. And people were jumping around and doing stuff. Uh, but we stopped doing that because somewhere along the way, we got dignified. Well, that's true. How many of you know that in worship, the word worship means to outwardly do something? Most people think that worship is, and I, hopefully we'll get to this later on in the year. I want to preach a sermon series about this to really teach you and to lead you in this. But worship, if all you do in church is come and you stand still during the worship time, that's not worship, that's meditation. Now, it's good to meditate on the Lord. David, they, you know, We've let, other, we've let other people steal the word meditation from the church. The word meditation is a church word. It means to think about the Lord, to focus on the Lord, to give, to give time and energy to thinking about the Lord. But worship is an outward expression. It's a, it's a movement. It's something you do. The literal translation of the word rejoice means to jump about and spin wildly. Now you go, when's the last time you've seen people do that? I did on TV. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, there's this little game show on TV lately called American Idol, and when the people win this little yellow piece of paper, which gives them a free ticket to Hollywood, they come running out of this little room through a narrow hallway, knock people over, and they jump about and they spin wildly because they won. You know what that yellow sheet of paper is worth? Look at me. Nothing. Nothing. It's a, it's a symbol that means something else. It means you're going to get a free trip to Hollywood. It means you're going to get a free uh, room and board if you survive the, the contest any longer. But, but, it, but really, that yellow ticket doesn't really, it itself isn't worth a whole lot. Yet, people re- jump around and they spin, they knock people over. I've seen some weird celebrations lately. They'll throw confetti in the air and they'll all hug each other and they're so happy about a little, uh, little colored sheet of paper uh, that says they won the first phase of this contest. They haven't even won the whole thing yet. Months to go before that's over with. But they're so happy about that one little sheet of paper. Paul says, you know what? Jesus died for our sins. He made it so you don't have to pay the price of the guilt of your sins by going to hell. You can be forgiven. You can not only be saved, but you can be changed. Your mind can be changed. Your life can be changed. And you get to go to heaven. Now, isn't that something to be happy about? The Bible says when someone gives their heart to Jesus Christ, the angels, what? They rejoice. No, I've never seen, uh, I, I, well, I've seen an angel, but I've not seen a group of angels. I've seen all of heaven jump around and spin wildly, but I imagine that's quite a show. And yet we come to church, and the greatest expression we can give to God is, yep. 
Stop picking on me, Pastor. I'm not. I'm just telling you, listen, by the end of this sermon, you're going to realize why Paul starts off by saying, hey, you know what you and I ought to do as believers in Jesus Christ? Every day we ought to rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. He says, let your gentleness, verse 5, be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. He says, listen, he goes, there ought to be something that comes out of a believer's life that just makes people want to be around you. Just a smile, just a gentleness, a, a thing that says, I know I have all authority in heaven and earth that Jesus gave me, but you know what? I'm not using it to bring you down. I want to use it to lift you up. Let your gentleness, the Lord's at hand. Listen, th- th- there's, there's no doubt in my mind that the Lord's at hand, that the coming of the Lord is near. You know, I've heard it preached all my life, but I keep seeing more and more and more evidence that Jesus Christ is coming again. It just, it just, and I'll, you know, I'll tell you what, I'll preach it till the day I die. Because even if the Lord may not be at hand as far as coming back for the church, He may be coming back for you or me any day now. We're not promised tomorrow. But the great thing is, if we're really living for the Lord the way we should, we don't have to worry about that. We can rejoice, we can have gentleness. We can have peace. But this is what Paul says in verse number 6. And this is really the focus of what I want to get at this morning. He says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and, what's your Bible say? And your minds. In your minds, get that down in your, in your spirit this morning. He'll guard your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. Verse 8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whichever things are a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. Now listen to me this morning. There is a great battle in the minds of people today which is anxiety versus peace. There is this great battle. Paul says, listen, I will give you this morning a clue on how to keep your mind at peace in troubled times. Because listen, for the church in Philippi, they're going undergoing persecution. They're undergoing, uh, some of them are being thrown in jail. Some of them are, are under great duress. And he says, listen, you've got to learn in your life, if you want to live, be anxious for nothing. Well, pastor, that's easier said than done. Well, you're preaching. I, I know. I, I know in my own life. Five children, four of them have autism. I'm, I'm always filling out paperwork, having to go to this meeting, having to go to that doctor, having to go to this thing and that thing, not counting what I have to do for the church and what I'm trying to do to keep myself healthy. I understand the stresses of life, and I understand the pressures that are in. Listen, it's, it's, it's bills here and bills there. Constantly, things are always coming out. And Paul says, be anxious for nothing. And you look at him and say, easier said than done. But Paul gives us a clue. And I think the lesson he's giving us is the same lesson we've been talking about on Wednesday night Bible study over and over again. Listen to what Paul says the answer for anxiousness is. But, it, but in everything... Verse 6, and everything by prayer and supplications with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Do you know how many people I talk to constantly in the church that will love to tell me their problems, but I ask them, when I ask them, have you prayed to God about it? You know what they tell me? Well, 
It's on my list of things to do next week. Or, yeah, I, I, I told God, fix it. Really? Just fix it. Like, that's, that's the way to pray. I, I, I'm pretty sure God gave us other descriptions on how to pray earlier in the Bible that are a little bit different than just fix it. Besides, you've got to remember the, 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 the one reality we have to face is God never promised to save us from our circumstances. He just promised to save us from our sins. He did promise, though, when we go through the trials, He'd be with us. Well, listen to what he says. Listen, one of the things we've been talking about has just been so clear to us in our study of Exodus on Wednesday nights is that the Israelites complain and nothing happens. Moses cries out to God and gets answers. Listen to me. Read Exodus again. You'll love it. It'll challenge your heart. The children of Israel complain and nothing happens. Moses cries out to God and gets answers. Paul says, you want to be, learn to be anxious for nothing? You want to learn? You've got to retrain your mind to think differently. You have to retrain your mind to think differently. That's why he says this. That's why he says in verse 8, Finally, brother, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, if there are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be anything praiseworthy, think on these things. Because look, what do we really worry about the most? What are the things that really bother our minds? Well, usually, the things we're anxious about are the things that are not true but false. We spend so much effort sometimes trying to fight the lies people say about us and, and talk about us, then we do just trusting in the truth. And we worry about, about things we know aren't true. I, I tell you what, somebody had planted in my children's minds the idea of an asteroid hitting the earth. Now, honestly, I blame Hollywood and Bruce Willis, but, but the other things, you know, the Maya encounter, all this stuff, the world's coming to an end. And you know what happens is they get to thinking on these things that we know are false, and yet when it comes to things that are true, they don't think on those things. They don't think on, how, on those things. They think on the things that are false. And sometimes we get so caught up in our lives worrying about the false things that are said that we don't focus on the truth. And can I tell you, there's much more joy in truth than there is falsehood. But we got to retrain our minds to stop listening to lies. Now, for some of you, that means turning off the TV completely. <laughs> Come on, I'm being honest with you. If I can't be honest with you in church, we're in trouble. Some of you are going to have to turn off C-SPAN or maybe CNN or Fox News, whoever you're listening to. If you know they're not telling the truth, turn it off. You say, well, pastor, what, how's that going to help anything? I won't know what's going on in the world. I might not even be able to look at huh, Facebook. But if we're going to learn to be anxious for nothing, we've got to turn off the things that are lying to us. Stop listening to the people who are lying to us and retrain our minds to think about truth. It says, whatever things are noble. Well, same thing. We're always worried about the things that are not. The things that are, are unjust instead of keeping our minds on the things that are just. Here's one. It says, whatever things are pure. Oh, goodness gracious me. 
better duck behind this pulpit this morning. You know how many unpure things we allow into our homes, into our lives on a daily basis, and we wonder why we're anxious. We wonder why our minds are so full of things. You know, I've told somebody, uh, you, you may be mad at me, but, 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 but that's just, you're going to take a number. But somebody said one time, if you keep watching TV shows about unfaithful marriages, guess what you're going to think your wife or husband is doing to you? Because your mind sees the picture, you know it's a sitcom, you know it's fake, but your mind keeps getting these things inside it that are not pure. Somebody once told me, we were in college and said, they ought to ban this show. What's it called? Desperate Housewives. Say, yeah, because they're desperate for something. They need Jesus. But they're not going to put that in the show. All these shows that keep coming up that keep our minds thinking on things that are not pure, thinking on things that are not of God. It's no wonder why we're anxious. Somebody's constantly worried about, about how this relationship is going and that relationship is going. The reason they're so upset is because they've been watching so much TV. They think, oh, I remember that in episode 39 when she drank out of that cup of coffee instead of this cup of coffee and that meant she was doing something she wasn't supposed to do. And now my wife picked up that piece of coffee and I don't know what I'm going to do. So, there's nothing going on. The other cup was dirty. The dishwasher was broken. But we're so accustomed to letting impure things in our minds that when we see it matched in reality, we don't know how to change the truth. Rethinking our minds. Rechanging the way we think. Since whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report, there are a few of us in this room who need to stop listening to bad news. I'm not talking about people who are actually in trouble who need help. I'm talking about people who have been whining about their same problems over and over again and refuse to change their situation. But they love telling you about it because they want to wallow in their misery and they want to get you muddy too. Oh me, oh my, oh me. You think I'm crazy, but, but I'm learning not to be anxious anymore. I'm talking about living a life where I can rejoice that Jesus is my Savior. The sun is up this morning. It's out from behind the clouds. God is good. I'm breathing. I'm standing. Praise God, I'm losing weight, feeling good. And God's on the throne. I don't, I'm not anxious for nothing this morning. But I'm re-changing the way I think. Somebody comes up to me. Did you say what so-and-so said about you? And did you hear what they did? You know what? Sometimes you just got to say, stop. Negativity stops now. Can you imagine how mad your friends will get when you do that? Imagine how mad your family will get. Because some some of you, they're so used to you being negative all the time, they're not going to know what to do when you're like, I don't know, happy. (laughs) Praise God! Jesus is Lord! Well, you might think that, but you wait until you hear what so-and-so said behind your back. Stop! Negativity stops now. If it's not a good report, I don't want to hear it. If that's negative, because I'm changing the way I think. Because if I start hearing all these bad reports, you know what's going to go through my mind? I'm going to be anxious that every report's going to be bad. I'm not going to want to talk to nobody. I'm going to go hide in a hole and cry. 
for a day and a half. Sick and tired, sick and tired, and sick and tired of seeing Christians who get so overbeaten by bad news and bad reports that they won't stop talking on the phone, they won't stop uh, uh, carrying on, they won't change the way they think, and then they want to know why, God, can I never feel happy? Why am I always so anxious? Why am I always so tired? I'm telling you, because you don't change the way you think. Well, Pastor, that's kind of hard to do. I've been thinking this way for umpteen years. Well, that's the miracle of salvation, friend. God, dis- God doesn't only just save us, He changes us. Thank God I don't have to think the way I used to think when I was a teenager. It wasn't good, trust me. But God renews my mind. Romans tells us that God, we're to let God renew our minds daily. We're to keep letting God keep restoring us, renewing us, and keep stop thinking about the bad stuff. We're always going to have people who are going to be so anxious and tired and, 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 and they don't realize the clue to overcoming anxiousness is just two verses away. Don't think on things that are false. Think on things that are true. Don't think things that are not noble. Think on, think on things that are noble. Don't think about all the unjust stuff happening to you. Think about the justice that God gives. Don't think about the things that are impure. Don't let that stuff into your mind. Think about the things that are pure. You say, Pastor, that's going to narrow what I'm allowed to watch on television. Good. Good. Maybe you'll spend more time in prayer. I'm not being mean, I'm being honest. And I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to me too. Jesus has a lot to say about stress in Matthew. In Matthew chapter 6, he gives a whole list of things, he talks about worry. He says, listen, some of you are always worried and always anxious. And you're anxious, excuse me, you're anxious for things you can't change. So stop stressing. You know, there are certain things that you can't do anything about in life. And there are a lot of things you can. This is what he says, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Or about your body, what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Now, he's not, he's not advocating hunger or nakedness here. But what he's saying is, see, sometimes people stress out about things that are, that are you know, uh, just, just absolutely crazy to, to stress out about. Verse 26 says, look at the birds of the air, and they, uh, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns that your heavenly Father feeds them, or not you more valuable than they. And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to its statue? Now, a lot of people say, well, I'm tall enough. I don't think I need to grow anymore. That's not what it's talking about. I, I wish it was, but that's not what it's talking about. So many people have confused what that scripture means. It says, by worrying, can you add to yourself? What he's really saying is, can you grow? Can you mature spiritually, socially, emotionally? Can you mature by worrying? No. You can't. You say, well, I don't want to stay the same way I am. Well, you've got to learn not to worry. 
Because you can't mature any more in your life than you already are if you keep letting worry anchor you down. I used to tell uh, the kids in my youth group when I was, used to be a youth pastor, I'd tell them, uh, worry is like those cinder blocks you always joke about, the, the mafia tying to, your, tying to your feet and hauling you down to the bottom of the ocean. We used to have some guys in our area down there in Tennessee who were, had ties to the mob, and we always say, boy, you better not date that guy's daughter. He's liable to put boots on you and throw you in the ocean. Said, but worry is like that. Worry will hold you down. It will drown you out. It will, it will succumb your very last breath. It will take everything from you. And you will never be better than you are today if you let worry rule your life. Jesus said, you can't add yourself, you can't make yourself a better person if you're always worried all the time. Verse 28 says, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. But I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30, now so God clothes the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow, is thrown into the oven, how much, how much, uh, Will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What we will eat, what we will drink, what we will wear. For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. See, he's not saying you're, you're worrying about stuff uh, that you don't need stuff. He says, God knows you need things in life. God knows you have necessities that you have to have. But this is what he says. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Got enough to worry about as it is. Tomorrow will have more worries. And yet, if you keep focusing on worry and you don't learn to put God first, you're not going to be able to take care of the things that you need to. I'll give you an example. You may be mad at me, but don't be, because this is God's Word. I didn't write this. I didn't translate this. Somebody else did, and it's God's Word. But people tell me all the time, you know, I'm having trouble paying my bills. First thing I ask them, do you tithe? Do you give to God first? A lot of times, the people who have the most trouble paying their bills, you know what they tell me? Well, I tithe when I can I learned a long time ago, folks. Now, I'll tell you, as an Assembly God minister, my tithe goes to the district office because uh, that's the way the system is set up for us to do. But we also give money to the church, but, but we tithe mostly to the district office. And my tithes are deducted right out of my account uh, per uh, direct deposit because I found out something. When I don't give my tithe, guess what happens? Nothing. Things get behind. Things don't work. Things don't seem to never have enough money to cover my bills. You know what? I, will be, I, I, I can tell you the truth. When I give to God, God takes care of my family. And it's not just me. It's me and my wife and my five children. And that's a lot of mouths to feed because I have four boys, and they're growing fast, rapidly. In fact, the twins turn eight on Tuesday. Eight. You know what the word eight is? Eight's the same kind of symbol that looks like the infinity symbol, which is what, how much they can eat because their stomachs have bottomless pits. 
And they eat and eat and eat. And I have to trust God to supply my needs. But he does. You know why? Because I'm faithful to him first. And when I'm faithful to him first, he takes care of me. So when I think about him, he takes care of me. When I think about his goodness and his mercy and his grace, I don't worry about the things of tomorrow because I know who has control of tomorrow. That's Jesus. I don't have to worry. This world is going to continue to keep saying, listen, if you're not bothered by this, you need to have your head examined. And I keep telling them, listen, if you don't start putting some faith in God, you need to have your head examined. I mean, I get people tell me all the time, aren't you, aren't you worried about this and aren't you worried about that? Well, I mean, I'm concerned about it, but I'm not going to stay up all night stressing over whether or not Iran's got a bomb or whether or not the fiscal cliff's going to fall apart. I'm more worried about the cliff behind my house than I am a fiscal cliff. Come on. I mean, I, fiscal cliff's an imaginary, uh, imaginary literary term to describe some kind of financial state that the government's supposed to be in. That cliff is real, folks. <laughs> I've been up and down it. And yet in all that, well, how, how's that going to make me a better person if I spend all my nights worrying? about that cliff how's it going to make me a better person if i spend all my life just bothered by the idea that my kids may never leave home because their autism may never allow them the opportunity to live on their own don't worry about that because my god has everything under control Say, oh, saying God, and this is what I've been told by people in the community saying saying god has everything in control is like putting your head in the sand you're just ignoring the obvious. No, I'm not ignoring the obvious. I have faith in the invisible. It's a difference. There's a difference. I'm not ignoring the obvious. I'm putting faith in the invisible. Because here's what's happened. In my life, there was a time when we were moving up here and my kids needed coats. Because from Tennessee to up here is like cold. Although they've been having some cold weather down there too lately. Needed coats. And the coats they sell in Tennessee are not coats, they're jackets. I found that out when I moved up here. It's a difference. And yet when I prayed to God, $500 cash came in the mail for us to buy new coats. No name, no here's money for your coats, just Unmarked envelope, our name on it, a stamp on it, and $500 cash. Why? Because I said, listen, I can't spend all night worrying about where the money's going to come from or what we're going to have to get rid of to, to get this. I'm just going to put it in God's hands. And every single time I seem to put it in God's hands, God takes care of it. Because it's kind of hard for him to do anything with it when I'm holding on to it. You know? It's kind of like the dog. We have, a, we have a, a, a yellow lab, and she loves to play Frisbee. Or you think she loves to play Frisbee. Actually, she doesn't love to play Frisbee at all. She loves to play uh, uh, pool with the Frisbee. Because what she'll do is she'll bring the Frisbee to you, but she'll never let go of it. And you're like, okay, I'll throw it. I will throw it if you let go, let go of it. You know, and by the time you're trying to kick the dog off and just pull, but the whole time the dog's like, I just wanted to play tug of war. I didn't want to play frisbee. 
And some of us are the same way with our problems and our, our trials with God. Oh, God, I'd love for you to handle the situation, but, but I'm afraid if I put it totally in your hands, the next thing that's going to happen is you're going to take it from me. And, and God forbid you might actually fix it. I told somebody before, I would love to call Social Security tomorrow morning and say, God healed all my children of autism. Don't send another check. But some people love their problems and they love their trials so much that their trials have come to define who they are. And they don't want to change that. Saw a girl one time in a wheelchair. That said, do you want us to pray for God to heal you? She goes, not really. Why not? Well, because she'd gotten accustomed to living that way. And she didn't know how she would learn to have to, I don't know, buy blue jeans or, or, or walk or have to worry about tennis shoes. Or, or, you know, there's so many things we don't understand. And yet in our subconscious, we're saying, I don't know if it's better for me to give it to God or worry about it. Because at least when I'm worrying about it, I can see it, I can touch it, I can feel it. When I give it to God, I have to go, okay. Sure. Some of us in our lives are not at that step of faith yet. We're not at that place in our lives where we can say, I, I, I am so tired of being worryful, I'm ready to release it, and like tomorrow have a good day. Some of us wouldn't know what to do with ourselves if we had a good day. Wake up in the morning, no back pain. Woo. <laughs> Go down and cook something in the kitchen, and the smells just, you can smell because your nose is not stopped up anymore. Oh, love bacon in the morning. And then you, you go to work and people are nice to you. <laughs> what happened? What am I wearing? <laughs> All day, boss comes up. Good to see you today. Keep up the good work. Get home. The house is clean. Get home. Things are going all right. Go to bed at night. I didn't have a gripe. I wasn't worried. I don't know what to do with myself. I need to cause some problems so I can be back to normal. The normal that Paul was talking about in Philippians 4 was living a life where we rejoice, where we're happy, where we're living in gentleness and peace, knowing that the Lord's at hand. And when we do have a trouble, we do have a problem, we don't have to keep that problem for the rest of our lives. And we definitely don't have to let it stress us out. I love it. Because Paul says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard not only our hearts, but our minds. Through Christ Jesus. Guard our hearts. And also guard our minds. Because let me tell you something. The devil loves to play with your mind. He loves to play with mine, too. You know, you don't have to be a super Christian for the devil to hate you. All you have to do for the devil to hate you is exist. The Bible says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It doesn't matter if you're on the good side or the bad side. It's on every side. He hates everybody. And he loves to play with our minds. And the moment we think that somebody doesn't like us, the devil loves to dig that deep into our subconscious. 
and it brews and it stirs. And every time we get a bad report from somebody, the devil likes to just sit on our chest. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I've been there. That weight of depression and that weight of anxiety just sits. It's almost like the devil himself is just sitting there going, ah, told you so, told you so, told you so. See, nobody likes you, told you so. And instead of thinking good thoughts, instead of turning off the negativity, we go, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, I guess that's... And then all of a sudden, it dawns on us, we should pray, but then by that time, we're so exhausted, we'd rather go to bed than spend an hour with God. Because the devil knows you spend an hour with God, that hour is well spent, and it will change your life. But we don't. We're so tired and we're so exhausted from the emotional stress of having anxiety that we just call it a day and we miss the opportunity to give it to God. And we go to bed upset and probably have weird pizza-type nightmares instead of having going to bed knowing that the peace of God is going to be there all through the night and the peace of God is going to wake up with us in the morning and we're going to have a good start with the next day. Why? Because God is in control. So why worry? Why do we keep... Paul's saying, listen... To the Philippian church, and I'll close with this. He says, listen, why are you always so worried about this stuff? Can I give you the clue? The clue is, you take your worry and give it to God. Thank you for watching today's service, but you really should visit in person. Service times are at 10 a.m. Sunday morning, 6 p.m. on Sunday evening, and Wednesday night Bible study begins at 7 p.m. We're located at 582 Rockingham Road. It's on Route 5, just north of Bellows Falls. For more information, you can visit our website at www.faithchristianag.com. God bless you, and have a great day.